Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of seasons. Thank you for the chances to stop and reflect, to restart and renew our walk with you. We pray that whatever has been going on in our lives up to this point, you might give us the grace to begin again with you today, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, on Sunday, uh, if you're here at either of the morning services, we have a, a great treat. Uh, we're flying in a pastor from South Africa, uh, Craig Devell, who's been here before um, and spoken before. They're encouraging. He's also coming for the New Wine uh, Leadership Conference. And he's going to be speaking on the uh, subject of David being anointed by Saul and beginning his ministry. And, and you'll remember, if you teach Sunday school in particular, uh, that this is a, one of those great stories where he's anointed uh, far before the time that he actually steps up into his ministry as king, replacing the, uh, the desperately sad uh, Saul as king. And one of the things that Craig's going to be saying is that uh, oftentimes when God calls us or equips us, we self-exclude ourselves from feeling that we're worth it. Did you ever do that? You know? Um, I think I'm being called to do this, but it can't really have meant me. It must have meant someone else who looks different, who behaves differently, is more capable, more consistent, more, 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 more. It must have been someone else. And, uh, and Craig will be speaking about how David starts out. But one of the ways that, um, that Samuel helps David to realize he has been called is by a physical activity, which is pouring oil uh, all over his head, and uh, after that uh, was birthed the cosmetics industry, and, uh, and that's uh, obviously taking off uh, for men and women at the moment, as uh, evidenced by Dave there with his nicely groomed uh, beard in the front row. Um, it, it does take markers to help you remember what you're doing and why, doesn't it? And the markers that seem to help us the most are the ones where we know we've got through some sort of test. And that's what this uh, passage in Matthew's Gospel is about. It's a marking point at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's already had a, um, a highly affirming marking point, which was his baptism. It was physical, it was obvious, and uh, it involved an encounter with the Holy Spirit of God who descends on him, a voice from heaven. Uh, but now he has a, a testing of that calling. And I, I don't know if you can remember back to moments like an anointing, like a, a commissioning. Maybe you've even stood up the front, been on a PCC or a commission ministry, or, uh, or someone's just said to you, I really think you should get involved in this. And you've been like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And then, as what often happens even after something like a baptism or a confirmation, there comes a time where it feels contested. Do I even really believe this anymore? Should it really be me doing this? Is there not an easier way to get through? And uh, happily for us, Jesus went through that sort of contested period straight after his anointing, his calling, his baptism. And it, there are three very well-known tests that he goes through after a period of 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, which is what sort of births the idea of Lent for us. The first one you'll remember is, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In other words, use the spiritual resources you've got to supply your own physical and material needs. 
very, very tempting to sort of just make things work for ourselves, isn't it? And Jesus goes back and says, it's written, you should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he knocks that one out of the park with a, a quote from Deuteronomy. And the devil then says, well, kickstart your ministry. Go the easier way. All you've got to do is climb up on top of the, the highest point of the temple. Everyone will see you. I jump off it. Angels will catch you. And hey, presto, you're the Messiah. None of this crucifixion malarkey. None of this pain and difficulty. Uh, go for the easy solution. It's like a, a great church marketing drive, an expensive advertising campaign, instead of going through the, the hard way. And uh, Jesus says, uh, it's written, um, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Even though the devil's quoted scripture at him, he responds back. And then the last time, uh, the devil just says, look, I, I can give, give you everything you've ever dreamed of. Everything you want. I can make every human being who was and is and is to come bow down before you. If you just bow down before me. I'm the prince of this world. I'll give you the whole lot. If you just bow the knees to me and uh, Jesus says, away from me. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Three temptations. Uh, batted away. Uh, through, through a lot of the 20th century, uh, the temptations that were considered to be most likely to knock people off their perch uh, relate to these ones. Uh, money, the, the sense that, wouldn't it be easier if I had a bit more cash? A d desire for other things. Uh, the love of this life, as Jesus put it. Um, and, and that's been a temptation for, for many people, knocking away from a dependency on God. Um, I was listening in the car on the way over, um, not from home, from elsewhere, uh, to an old, old chorus. It's, I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. Um, what is on your heart? Show me what to do. And then another one, I will offer up my life in spirit and truth. Um, and, and these songs were songs that sort of invited us to say, God, I'll, I'll give you everything. Uh, and yet, it's very easy to have uh, but everything but could I feel a bit more secure in my bank account? Or I want this physical uh, material stuff as well. Uh, so it just deflects us away. Now, the second one, obviously, was uh, sex. And we've seen, again, in the news recently, very sadly, how uh, even some of the most godly-looking ministers can be di diverted away from that. Not just ministers. Uh, all of us are tempted in different ways. Uh, sex has been something that's drawn many people away. And power is the one that is really related to here at the end. Uh, the desire for power and being in charge of something, ruling over, even if it's just one other person. It can be very tempting to hold on to power. Uh, I run a rotor in a certain way. <laughs> and lay behind the person who gets in the way of how I run it. Power is, a, is an attractive thing uh, to us. The one that diverts us away from, from God. And money, sex, and power have historically been the, uh, the great sins. Uh, but I was listening to someone recently saying, I wonder if distractedness is the great sin of the 21st century. Um, and this is much more subtle, isn't it? An inability to give full attention to God. And, and I suppose that's what Lent gives us the opportunity to do, is to say, how distracted am I? Because in the root of distractedness comes the problem with all the other things. 
if we're distracted from God, then money becomes more attractive. Other temptations become more attractive. Our own little universe becomes more attractive. Distractedness seems to be almost at the heart of slipping away. And that discipline that Jesus does of 40 days and 40 nights uh, without all the props around him is uh, an incredible gift to us as a a pattern for church life. If, like me, you come from a non-Anglican background, uh, things like Lent and Advent sort of come up upon you, like, oh, where do they come in the Bible? (laughs) What's the importance? But actually, if you sort of seize the rhythm of the church calendar, it can be an incredible sort of relocating moment. I don't know if you've uh, set any sort of Lenten resolutions or you're going to try and pick up a spiritual discipline or two over this time. I've, uh, I've uh, decided on, on one or two for myself this year, and it feels like a, an opportunity for a detox, a sort of spiritual detox. Um, so I know I'm distracted easily, so what about if I just focus for 40 days and see what happens? And, and you'll know if you did um, Freedom in Christ course with us a few years ago, that apparently uh, 40 days or, or six weeks is about how long it takes to rewire uh, your neurons in your brain. So if you keep doing something for uh, six weeks, uh, your brain fundamentally changes um, physiologically and it becomes your new normal. So it means that getting through week one to week two to week three uh, it can be quite difficult. The first couple of days, you can do almost anything, can't you? But if you're going to persist in it, and you begin to get breakthrough. And I, whatever the habit you may be taking up or putting down uh, is, I just really recommend to you to resolve to persist in it. Not like a New Year's resolution, but as a, a general spiritual discipline. And to, to begin with this attitude, God, I'm not sure I can do this on my own. <laughs> I'd like to do this, but I trust that if you help me and I choose to join in with you, we can do this together. It's, it's similar, but incredibly different to the I'm going to do this for Lent. Now, the I'm going to do this for Lent is already a sort of self-autonomous, I can sort out my spiritual life thing. But the, Lord, I I'm, want I'm, to take up this habit or put down this bad habit, um, or even this neutral habit so I can be less distracted. Um, I'm not sure I can do it on my own, but if we do it together and I keep joining in with you, I'm pretty sure we can, we can manage it. I trust you, Lord. It's same result, same idea. But actually, if you get through the first one in your own strength, at the end of the day, you'll be f- as far away from God as at the beginning because you'll be like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> but if you, if you do the more humble one with God, you may find that you've actually got a lot closer to him because you've relied on his strength to help you through. And there may be a little thing in there that makes you just think, oh, okay, well, actually, what I was planning on doing, I'm pretty sure I could manage. <laughs> um, it may be that the thing you were pretty sure you could manage isn't a big enough <laughs> ask of yourself. Because if you can do it on your own, you don't need God's help. You almost need something where you're like, actually, I really do need God's help. Um, Jesus' fast is obviously an absolute one and uh, a sensationally uh, ridiculous thing to do unless uh, you have got God's help. Um, I'm not suggesting anyone does that sort of an extreme level of fast here. But whatever you've resolved to do, whatever vision you've got, make sure it's a a vision beyond what you can do on your own. 
if you're going to have a sense of God helping you and dependency in it. And uh, obviously there are different things you can do, some relating to uh, appetites, not just uh, your, uh, your food appetite, but other appetites you may have, and some related to distractiveness and attentiveness to God. At the end of the day, um, the devil has to leave Jesus because he uh, bats him away time after time. And, uh, and that's, I suppose, our, our hope is that we go through this process where we're um, people who have shown ourselves um, to be people that the devil might as well not bother with for a season because <laughs> we've, we've pushed him away. We've pushed him away. I'll just say uh, one, one sort of final thing. Uh, in closing, we were just over with the uh, New Wine leadership praying for the conference next week, which uh, a number of our, our staff team are on. And uh, one image I had at the beginning was of a chessboard being reset. Um, this is for the conference next week, but it, it may well relate to our lives here as well. And uh, when I play chess with one of our, our boys, it's often up on our, our bed upstairs, and there comes a, a frustrated moment where... Uh, they probably lose, and then they're like, oh, let's start again, or they throw all the pieces all over the place. Um, and what I saw is the, a chessboard being reset. Um, but of course, when you reset a chessboard, you get all the pieces back, um, but you haven't lost what you've learned by playing and losing. The way to, to win is to play and lose, isn't it? Um, and I don't know how your spiritual life looks if you took an audit of the last 10, 15, 20 years or so. Uh, maybe you feel like you've lost a few games of chess along the way. There were things you thought you would have achieved and you didn't quite get there. Maybe you've chucked the pieces um, off, off the bed and uh, there's a couple of pieces missing. And God's saying, look, come today and let's reset the chessboard. But what you don't lose is the memory of... Uh, of mistakes made. And from those mistakes can come better tactics, a better way forward, a better step. And getting through our, our Christian life is, is a tactical game. It's not best done reactively. It's best done proactively, thinking about it step by step, having disciplines in place, uh, coming on the length course, all those sort of things. They, they help us. They're, they're building blocks for us. Um, so as we put in place our, our disciplines as we step out today. Let's uh, remember that we have a, have a new start with him. And, and let's make this Lent one of those points that we can look back to, like with David's anointing and then his testing, like with Jesus' baptism and then his testing, where we can go, actually, in 2020, March 2020, I was pursuing Lent through its fourth week and its fifth week, and actually God really met me. And I was tempted, but I said, go away, Satan. And he fled from me. And I got stronger. And I didn't do any of that on my own. I did it because he made me strong and I relied on him. May God bless his word to us today. Amen.